0: Hello, beautiful people. This is Neil, the founder of Portal to Ascension, and you right now are on and listening into Portal to Ascension Radio. And this is our new project, new mission, but if you listen to this in the future, then I guess this is our old project that is still going on. And this is the podcast, Portal to Ascension, that is an extension of the information that we share on our platform on many different topics. But if I was to break it down to a few... I would say evolution of consciousness, true world history and ancient civilizations, UFOs and extraterrestrials, and conscious sustainability and business. So, if you would like to, you can go to our website, portaltoascension.org. You can sign up there and receive thousands of hours of footage. We have been creating conscious event productions for quite a few years now. And through all of these events that we've created, we have now created an online database in which you can go and explore and search by speaker, search by category, and look at the amazing information that we have there. We also have new featured documentaries that are coming out every single month. So be sure to go to our website and check out the database and the information and the content and the speakers. It's truly a resource for you. In this time of awakening, as we move forward into this reality that we're creating, empowering humanity so that we can take back our sovereignty and really create universal peace, love, and joy on earth. And that's what it's truly about. So go ahead and check that out. And if you want to follow myself on Instagram, you can do so so at... at I underscore am underscore resonance, and then Portal to Ascension on YouTube, Facebook, and other platforms at Portal to Ascension. Check that out. Now, we're going into our series that we've been doing for the last few weeks now, in which I'm bringing forward speakers, interviews that we had at our last Portal to Ascension conference, in which there were over 50 speakers involved actually probably more like 65 because we had panels every single day, a uh, bunch of speakers in there, interviews, we had 15 different MCs and hosts, so it was a huge event with many revolutionary and compassionate individuals involved in it. So we're going to go ahead and continue with this flow and bring on today's guest and each guest will be interviewed by a different MC some of them might be the same, but you're gonna be introduced to not only the speaker and their content, but also the MC slash host that is gonna be the interviewer. So let's get into today's guest.
1: I am, I'm really happy I see Eddie Stone right here getting ready to join with us. I love seeing you. Hi, Eddie. I haven't met you in person yet, and I Neil gave me a little bit of background about you, and I went and kind of tried to get a, a feel for what you're about. And It looks like your purpose is to help people live healthier lives. In a nutshell, that's what I learned about you and that you've been on a lifelong journey to educate yourself on science and proper nutrition and healthy lifestyles. And I I just find it so synchronistic that we had James Redfield on and kind of towards the end of what he was talking about. If you were, if you were in the room listening to the end, what a great segue for us coming into you educating us more on why push away pharmaceuticals and come more into nutrition and healthier lifestyles and learn more about supplements and what's in our supplements so i'm really excited to hear what you have to share with us about your journey and how you started beneath touchstone essentials you're the founder and CEO of your your nutritional supplement company. And I see Neil as one of your supporters. It's in the Portal to Ascension shop. So it fits right in with this whole movement of conscious collaboration and how we're all finding ways to, to assist each other with our own unique piece of the puzzle. So why don't you share a little bit more with us about what you do and what you've discovered?
2: I'm happy to, and, and thank you for the kind words. It's nice to meet you even if it is just uh, virtually you know, at, at this point in life, right, until another time when it can be face to face. And I did have a chance to, in fact, I've been checking in on the conference here for the past several days, had a wonderful conversation with uh, Laura Eisenhower, who was on in the early parts last Thursday, and just appreciate all these efforts that Neil and the others have been making and yourself to do this. And I was I was thinking a little bit as as James was talking, you know, he's he's got a there's a positive message there and vibe and I want to make sure that what I'm doing can be interpreted that way. I feel like it can, but I'm also going to point out some things that I think are a real struggle and I think can get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish, right? To find our best selves, our higher selves. And really that's, that's the role, you know, I want, I want to play here. Um, I had sort of an accidental introduction uh, 30 some years ago to the world of nutrition and, and that role. Um, I just, turned 57, so I've been on this journey for some time. So let me just say this up front, for anybody that's out there, that you find yourself coming and going from trying to find health and happiness and you know, getting your physical body the right way, it doesn't have to be an overnight journey. I'm certainly not an overnight success in that regard, and I believe that you look at this and think about the, the long arc of what you're trying to accomplish, this, this thought and idea of mind, body, soul you know, is really where I I come to this. And what started for me, and I'll give just a brief bit of that background, is my mom, wonderful woman who's still here today, I'm happy to say she became ill in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And for several years, my family was really sort of unable to help her discover what was wrong. Um, And we exhausted really sort of every conventional major medical university we could go to And yet she continued to waste away, kind of lose energy. I mean, we really thought here's this woman that's wonderful, vibrant, beautiful, and she's wasting away in front of us and no one's got answers in a conventional setting. And I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a family that thought outside of the box. You know, you kind of went to the doctor, listened to the doctor, whatever was said, that's what you did. And so it was only through frustration where we ultimately found someone that asked a different set of questions and eventually helped us realize that she through she had a medical procedure she had implants put in and those implants turned out to be poisonous or they were poisoning her her body creating a really vicious autoimmune response and and no one was really talking about it right i i now understand later how these things work from a commercial entity standpoint and why they don't talk about all these side effects and things of that kind But through that discovery, I just realized the role and importance of toxicity found in medical procedures, whether that's something you're putting in your body or a vaccine or in our food supply or in the environment that we live in. And then coupling that with realizing that even something as simple as thinking about the food we consume and considering how much food we consume that we would refer to as ultra-processed. And while it's not sexy, if you don't, you can have your mind right, but if you don't have your body right, you know, you can become a prisoner of your physical self and it can get in the way of these other things you're trying to accomplish. And so for me, part of my journey has been really stripping back what it means to refer something as food or even nutrition. So when I talk about nutritional supplements, I, I take the word supplement quite literally, right? It's it's designed to be a supplement to your diet. We want you to have a, a, a good diet, as thoughtful a diet as you can based upon your circumstances. Supplements aren't supposed to take place of good food and nutrition. They're just supposed to bridge the gap between what your daily life is forcing on you you know, versus where you want to be. And I'll tell you right up front, I'm, I'm disappointed with most of what we think of as supplements in the world, right? There's 99.9% of the stuff I don't even want it in my house. You know, what's, what's going on with its manufacturing, its toxic uh, fallout in the communities that are making things like ascorbic acid or the common vitamin E's and things that are out there, the GMO corns that are grown to create those supplements, B vitamins mostly are produced from petroleum byproducts, all these things that may have chemical signatures that look somewhat like natural food. And so they get around labeling laws In truth, there's no life to them. And so this is really what my mission has sort of turned in here, into here is, is to try to provide education as much as possible. We're a commercial company, but our focus is really more on teaching people. And I'd, I'd love for you to, to have that diet that means you don't even wanna to have to think about or you don't have to think about supplements, right? Of course, we realize that's not everybody's circumstance. So we work hard to provide things that are non-GMO and organic and all these types of things. And so that's that's really, you know, where I come to this from, and what I thought I might do with our time today, and if you have questions, please jump in and disrupt me. I can get on a little bit of a soapbox, and I don't mean to do that, but these are things that I care, you know, deeply about, is to just talk about some of the realities of how unwittingly, you know, we we can wind up poisoning ourselves um, unintentionally. Now, that's not to say that we aren't smarter today than we've ever been about some of these challenges that are out there. But when we when we look at food today, and we look at really, let's, let's go to the farm level first, and this demand or this necessity to constantly increase uh, crop and yield and acreage production, which I, I understand it's a big world, and we're trying to feed people. But unfortunately, that argument really pales in terms of what's really at the heart of a lot of this, which is a profit motive that's gone awry. Not to say that I'm a- against you know people earning a profit from the work and things that they do, it's just recognizing that when we also introduce into the process uh, genetically modified seed or petrochemicals that are the sourcing for the herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, all these things necessary to create these massive crop yields we get rid of the um, local community-based farming um, sort of backbone of what used to be our nature uh, nation, and introduce this concept of just basically commercial corporate f- farming. We take the heart and the soul out of the food production, and you can't you can't do that when you when you remove that heart and the soul from food production. What you're left with quite literally in, in two ways, spiritually as well as physically, is you're left with empty calories that aren't going to really feed anybody's soul in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so you 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 probably would guess I'm a person that believes in trying to have things like family dinners, but not just everybody racing to the table when it's ready to be served, but to participate in the process of cooking and the social and family dynamics when possible. And that can be friends, right, doesn't have to be necessarily blood relatives, but those things that when we look around the world today and we look at these blue zones, I don't know how many familiar failure blue zones, but you look at places where uh, on average a, a group or society will li- outlive the rest of the local area by 10 or plus years, oftentimes the care with which they treat food, how they grow and prepare their food is really at the heart and the soul of how that food nourishes the body you know, feeds the body, feeds the mind, and gives it this ability, right, to to turn into something quite remarkable, you know, from a from a life standpoint. So I, I think these things are tied in, right? I don't think you can ignore- Alchemizing,
1: the alchemizing That's right. the food, That's right. right? Alchemizing the food. I, I love where you're going with this. Um, It it seems that we have a very similar journey when it comes to, I have a mother, I'm the same age as you. I know the third leading, I wrote a big paper about this to give to my mother's physician. Because the third leading cause of death is medical mismanagement. We run to the doctor for, you know, we can't go to the bathroom and then the doctor gives us an over-the-counter, I won't say the name of what those things are, we get acid reflux and we run to the doctor and then then we get on this medical merry-go-round. Even if it's not uh, prescribed pharmaceuticals, it could be over-the-counter pharmaceuticals. Sure. You know just where you go to cvs and we've got a plethora of things to choose from that are all toxic and causing other effects in our body and what you're doing is bringing us back to the basics and the way the indigenous families have have done things for centuries and when we infuse our food with the love of family and the joy of being together we're, and we're putting it into our body system that's primarily made up of water and water is a conductor of energy. There, there's, there's something about the balance that you're talking to and it's really speaking to my heart. So I appreciate you going to that level of depth with adding in that emotional component to how we, how we nourish ourselves. Well,
2: I, I don't know that we can do it otherwise right i i think for a long time if you if you look at our if you look at the us and this is true of a lot of let's say the the developed part of the world somewhere around the 30s and 40s we we had things really change in terms of how we thought of food and food production and so instead of regional uh crop production right and so that you know if you lived in one region of the country or part of the world you didn't necessarily think about that food being flown across the world so that you can have pomegranates in the winter time, or something that doesn't make sense for the weather and the region that you live in. And so all of a sudden now, we started to grow food from a commercial standpoint so that it could endure 30, 60, 90 days out of the field and spraying it with chemicals so it would preserve even your basic fruits and vegetables so it could make it across the world, not recognizing that the way the body works and and the way life works, it recognizes seasons right? Food has a seasonal quality to it. The things that you're eating in the fall aren't necessarily the things that you need to be eating in the spring. You know, you, you do these things differently so that you can celebrate the fall and you can celebrate the spring and you can celebrate the summer and you can celebrate the winter and sort of recognize these roles, this meal you're eating plays in this larger uh, dynamic of of life. And so we we, we lost our way. And if you, if you look at the impact of this, right, looking at just statistics, which I know I don't want to bore everybody to death with this, but if you go in and dive deep into the numbers uh, uh, that that are kept on statistical disease rates, cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all these types of things, lifestyle plays a role in terms of exercise, non-exercise habits that people have. But clearly food is at the base of almost all of these numbers that are negative. So that now, if you look at a developed country like the United States, Uh, nearly half the people that die, uh, die of cancer. Nearly half, right? Just think about that for for a moment, right? And we we spend a lot of time talking about the treatment of cancers, right? Nuclear medicines and these types of things, but we could go back and look at some of these root sources. So for example, glyphosate or other uh, things that are designed to control pests or fungus or whatever happens to be on crops, right? As they creep into our system and damage and change our DNA, you know, you can have all the treatment for cancer you want to, but once you've got it, we know it's from a series of events, right? That's life altering in a way nobody wants it to be altered. And, and once once this dynamic happens where we get in this feedback loop of developing disease, developing treatment, becoming beholden to insurance, becoming beholden to these industrial institutions now, just like you said before, you can't really get off that sort of hamster wheel,
1: right? And it's in it's- medical merry-go-round,
2: yes, exactly the medical merry-go-round. And so, for whatever role we can play, uh, we want to help people to break that cycle and realize it doesn't all have to be that way. And if you have trouble, if you have trouble finding motivation for yourself, right, and people can find themselves in a, in a selfless cycle where you know, they're just eating because they're hungry and not really thinking about these broader impacts, take some time and look into what happens in communities where conventional farming is all there is, and the spray and the runoff and how it impacts birth rates and children and city water supplies and local uh, environments, including animals, not just farm animals. And so that maybe you try to find a motivation more than just yourself, right? Sometimes people need that. We get in these cycles of selflessness and so we don't really think about, hey, that decision I'm making on what I buy and what I help to prosper with my decision making, I can actually impact a community that I'll never see, but surely that energy, there's a connection there between me and them, right? Our lots in life are similar in some ways. And so I'm an advocate of thinking about the source of your food Knowing as much as you can about the source of your food and stop thinking about meal time as this throwaway moment.
1: Right? Oh, I love that. And we, we've got one of our listeners or viewers writing in saying, Kiss the ground, regenerative agriculture moment. That's from Victoria McBain. And I happen to know her and know that she, that's one of her big touchstones, is where a lot of people don't even understand where their food's from. You just kind of go like a robot and go to the grocery store. I, I see people not even smell before they put it in the, in the, in the basket. And, you know, so bringing us back to how our food is sourced is a very important point. And, how the land is prepared and how we're moving forward. I I love that so many people are getting onto the discussion of what regenerative agriculture looks like for our food sources.
2: Yeah, and and when we think about it, here's here's a message I really want people to hear me on. I think people tend to think that these things require a lot of extra money, right? Your food budget's gotta go up 15% Mm -hmm. and food prep time has to change dramatically. That's not true. You know, we're members of the Organic Trade Association, so we're sort of privy to how pricing and things like this work. You can actually increase your food budget by one to 3%, and I'm not dismissing the fact that even one to 3% is something to consider, but you can increase your food budget by one to 3% and be eating organic 90% of the time. And not just because of the quality of that food and the lack of chemicals that then would be found in that food. It's the extension of that all the way back to the farming source is what I'm talking about. So there are these pillars that I encourage people to think about. One of them is awareness. You know, take, take some time, budget mm-hmm. some time to know your food, right? Just, just budget a little bit of time, right? Instead of thinking of everything as a microwave cycle, you know, and, and I, it, it's interesting to me that you can look at people and they're throwing things in a microwave, which is a whole another separate discussion we could have. But, but they throw things in a microwave and they're standing in front of it because it takes 60 seconds to heat it up. And I guess they want it to be 15, right? And so we mm-hmm. don't really yeah, budget mental space or time in our day to think about the nourishment of our bodies and our mind and our soul with good quality foods. If all you eat is ultra processed food, and most estimates are that 95% of the calories being consumed in our nation are coming from ultra processed foods, you're not really giving your body a chance. You know, if, you're, if your mind's source of energy is sugar, white sugar and caffeine, you're not gonna give yourself a chance to dive into these places that James was just talking about taking us, right? Because you're you're just not working in the way that you need to. And so a pillar one for me would be to have people really consider the time they're budgeting for food, right? Might not be sexy, but this is the type of thing that reduces your risk of dying of disease, right? So that's that's sort of the first. And the second one is just to consider the modest bump in your budget to when you go to the grocery store to buy local, buy non-GMO, buy organic. Know the source, right? Know the source. And if you're worried about prep time and- th- Or find a farmer's market, how about- by the farmer's Local market. farmer's market. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, take just a couple of hours and go out on Saturday morning, right? It's a lovely experience, right? This time of year around the country, most places they're open air. So it's one of those few places you can go to. If you got to put a mask on, put the mask on, whatever you got to do, right, to go there and then just enjoy the outdoors. You're, you'll see some bright orange pumpkins and you'll see w- whatever it will feel. I tell you, after being cramped up inside all summer, it'll feel like a celebration. <laughs> to get yourself out to a farmer's market. In most places around the country, uh, one or two days a week, if you go to a community board, you'll see there are afternoon farmer's markets trying to serve people as they get off work, right? All of these are places where you're gonna find like-minded people. You're gonna find people that are connected to the land and connected to the vibrations that are sort of just part of this earth experience that we have. And so those two pillars right there are big for me and then we can go further, and again, I I, I, I recognize you know, the, the interest in this, but to consider then packaging and how you prepare food, right? If you're using nonstick cookware, which are made with PFASs or forever chemicals that are hormonally disruptive, you know, your best self, both physically and mentally, isn't gonna happen if what you're consuming is coming out of a package with all types of uh, BPAs and other issues, if what you're preparing is on nonstick cookware, if you're cooking with canola oil, which is basically a GMO product that's literally poisoning the food that you have,
1: right? Or the food that you're serving And should be banned from your pantry. It should be banned. There shouldn't be any person using canola oil.
2: No, Yeah. right, right. And when we do, we support that industry in a way, right? We could say to ourselves well let's let 's try to tackle this legislatively i don't i don 't think that's going to happen i'll be honest with you we don 't have that same financial power uh, of those institutional leaders that are out there, but what we can do is vote with our dollars. You know those things that we right. spend our money on are those things that will thrive and prosper, but it does require us to be a little thoughtful about that process, and so those are some of the you know, kind of those primary pillars I believe people should consider um, you know, when they're making these types of decisions.
0: What's, what's um, some good alternatives then? Instead of well, no oil.
2: Um, if you take uh, olive oil, for example, olive oil is, is a great oil and it can withstand heat, right? Pretty, pretty simple in that regard. Uh, in some places, you can find readily available avocado oil. Not as common and people will worry about the flavoring. If you're using it in a proper way, it will not affect, uh, affect the flavor of the food that you're eating. So basically, you want to look for things where there is an organic label that you can trust, right? I, I'll, give you that, I'll give you that sort of qualifier there because it's not always that we can trust these things. But if you see something that says that it's certified USD organic, by law, that's non-GMO. And we're also then going to know that the prep, the, the, the agricultural process to bring that to marketplace also um, is conducive to a community having a thriving farming uh, farming environment.
0: So we have a couple of questions I wanna get into, but firstly, could you maybe touch on free radicals in its relation, what are free radicals? And I heard also that um, certain oils, they have like this burning temperature and then if, you try to cook something, I forget the details over it, the free radicals get released, so some oils are really not good to cook with it at all because of that.
2: Yeah, and, and what we would think of there, Neil, not so much about the, the free radicals, but other rancid qualities that come from heating oils beyond their Kelvin points for heat, right, where they, they sort of denature and they become toxic for other reasons, right? They can turn into uh, trans fats. And so where we really began to learn about this, I don't know if you guys are, you're, you're, you're probably not old enough to really remember when this big push switched by the American Heart Association at the end of the 1950s to get people to go from butter to margarine. And they did right. this because margarine, they could superheat it and stuff a hydrogen molecule inside. And so now used in a commercial setting, the oils could be used 15 to 20 times longer then butter could be used as an oil uh, before it broke down and no longer could be used to fry french fries or whatever happens to be. And this also then comes into the home. And margarine could be very manipulated, right? So you could have a bottle of squeeze margarine. Turns out though, that trans fat cannot be broken down by your body. So we literally see in the developed world where this took place, an increase in cardiovascular disease that's directly tied to this push to use margin. Of course, we're we're past that now, right? We sort of reluctantly at the commercial level realized, okay, that wasn't a good idea, but that's an example of what you're talking about where oils were superheated and, and the long-term impact of that. And so uh, sunflower seed oil, grape seed oil, they're just a variety of nut oils. Um, some nut oils can be a little bit strong in flavor, but walnut, almond, all these are oils. And most of them will have, and the bottle should say, you know, what the cooking temperature levels are before it begins to break down or smoke or heat up. And all of those are things. And 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 frankly, if you if you got other choice, don't be afraid to use butter. Some saturated fats are okay in moderation, right? I don't want you eating sticks of butter, uh, but I, I'd rather you have a stick of butter than the canola oil. I'll I'll tell you right up front. We
1: have a, or avocado. avocado. Definitely the avoc- 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 love avocado. And we have a. We have three questions that I think we definitely want to get you to answer. (laughs) Sure.
0: I'll add these, put these together. How about vegetable oil? And then I found organic canola oil. Is that bad?
2: I would not use canola oil period, uh, just simply because of how it performs inside the body and how you digest it. it. It's a little more challenging for most people. If you've been using an organic certified organic, that'd be very important for you to make sure of a certified organic canola oil for a long period of time with no digestive concerns, then I would say continue. But for the most part, you're going to have an easier time with things like grapeseed, coconut, and some of these others. You're just going to digest them more easily.
0: You want to take the next one?
1: Yeah, well, I'm looking in the Q&A, Neil, and one of the questions here, you were talking about pots and pans that we use for cooking, and what are your suggestions for the type you know, getting away from Teflon and Teflon coated. What are your suggestions for um, cooking? And I have a sense you would tell people never use a microwave.
2: I'm not a fan at all. You know, I I just believe that when you stir up those molecules and and you change those configurations of the food, the basic fundamentals of that food to cause that heat, I just have real Mm -hmm. questions and concerns about what that does. Certainly we know it can impact dairy in a very, very uh, negative way. Uh, maybe you get away with heating up your water in there by itself, but truth be told, I'm just not one of those people that wants to mess with nature's design in that fashion. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a fan of uh, of microwaves at all. And the second tier, And what, yeah,
1: that type of, hands, of cooking, the type of pots and pans, yeah.
2: Yeah, so there are a couple of things. One, if you look at glass, right, if you're making casseroles or things of this kind, cooking in glassware- or sealed ceramic, not coated, sealed ceramics, uh, these are things where what you're cooking, even if it's you're cooking something that's gotta be 500 degrees for an hour, you know, I don't know what that might be, right? But you're a long period of heat where it's so hot, you know, the whole oven area heats up. Uh, if you're in glass or ceramic baking that casserole, whatever it happens to be, um, it's, it's not going to seep into the food. There's not gonna be any transfer from the cooking vehicle to the food itself, right? And that's what you're looking for. However, that's not always a bad case. So you probably have a fair number of people on, on our, of the show here that are vegans or vegetarians, right? And one of the things for them to be conscious of is are they getting uh, some fundamental minerals? Let's, let's say iron, uh, for example. I'm a massive fan yeah. of a traditional iron skillet. There's absolutely no reason for That's anybody good. not to be a fan of that. Number one, a, a good one is still inexpensive, right? And as long as you learn to clean it, uh, don't just continually wash it with soap, wipe it out when it's warm and just continue to use it. It ages, it contributes to the flavor of food and what you pull from it is actually good for your body. You're not gonna get excess iron, right? Unless you've had a, a, some type of medical test that says you have this challenge with iron, which I think is a very rare, rare situation, most, uh, most people would benefit, particularly people that are vegetarians or vegans, would benefit with food preparation taking, care, uh, taking place in an iron skillet. And in, in our house, that's the staple, right? That iron skillet is the staple. And, and sure, does it take a little bit of time to clean it afterwards? And you know, instead of uh, throwing away a, a plastic container or tinfoil or something, sure, it takes a few more moments, but hey, these are literally life or death decisions that accumulate over time. You know, you're on this earth, hopefully for as many as hundred years. And so all these little habits accumulate in reducing your risk for various diseases. And so I'm cook, uh, cookware that's ceramic, that's sealed glass, that's sealed and iron skillets are a great idea. And even stainless steel, high quality stainless steel will also be well, at least 18, 18 gauge or higher. It gets a little more expensive, but if you can afford it, the, the 18 gauge steel or higher is also an excellent product.
0: Amazing Wonderful! Great That's mm-hmm.
1: great advice. I love that. My my husband is the chef in our home, and he 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 has taught me about seasoning of the iron skillet. You know, I I didn't know any of that stuff when I met him, so that was that was great. Um, someone else is asking, can you touch on coffee and caffeine, and what, how we can help our loved ones, especially, get off of it uh, if they depend on it for increase of increase of energy What best, most natural way to increase our energy throughout the day. And, you know, I don't know if people saw me drinking from my coffee mug, but I'm drinking a chaga mushroom, um, a chaga mushroom blend with uh, cacao, superfood. So that's kind of my go to for a sustained energy. And it makes me feel vibrant and keeps me away from that coffee jittery feeling.
2: Yeah. And so here's here's the thing about caffeine. So if we're talking about caffeine where somebody they just love coffee, right? That's just their thing, right? And they're buying organic beans, right? They know a little bit about that sourcing. They know it's not chemicals, right? When they when they make a make their coffee, you know, they don't see the little chemical sheen on the top of the mug, right? You probably all have seen that, right? You'll see a little red, little blue sheen on top of your. That's the chemicals, the pesticides, fungicides, and things that were utilized in the growing of that coffee. Unfortunately, coffee is one of the worst offenders uh, when it's non-organic uh, because of the way the beans will actually soak up whatever pesticides, herbicides, and things of that kind that are used uh, in their cultivation, right? So that's something to consider. But if somebody's consuming a, moderate, a modest or a moderate amount of coffee in the morning uh, without uh, dairy, without sugar, you know, there's no reason for us to think an organic coffee like that is, is having a negative impact from a cardiovascular standpoint, uh, a, a risk of cancer. And we even know that caffeine, natural caffeine in, in moderation can even contribute to some um, decreased risk in, in certain things like Alzheimer's disease, looking at cultural research, right? Not medical research, just looking at societies where they have that. That being said, what happens in our nation and most of the developed world is, caffeine is is abused we could easily argue uh since smoking has sort of fallen down in terms of percentage of people that it's the most abused chemical uh in our society and so you look at things like monster energy drinks and all of this stuff which is just you know terrible right when you look at the sugar the artificial colors and flavors the can that it comes in and so what i tell people is you know if you need a little caffeine but you're trying to wean yourself off of it interchange warm water with your cup of coffee. Because if you had that little bit of coffee followed up with warm water for the next half hour, that water will help pull some of that caffeine out of the lining of your stomach and cause a recycle, right? And so if you were drinking two cups, right, let's first learn to get down to one, right? And And then can you start to substitute things like the chaga and the chocolate and these other wonderful herbal blends that would give you a sensation of something warm most of them probably have some adaptogenic herbs in them. And so you're gonna get a little kick from those adaptogenic herbs that are gonna be soothing to your central nervous system instead of, instead of spiking it right, which caffeine by itself just spikes singularly. And so my, my feelings about caffeine are in moderation, right, from the right source. And if you don't have vascular disease or other uh, signals like that, that can be utilized okay. If you are on the spectrum though, where you're drinking too much, and you're putting the sugar, and you're putting the dairy and all these other. you got to wean yourself off, right? Don't make yourself go cold turkey. Start by splitting cups with warm water, then your cup, and you're going to find uh, you extend that, and you don't need as much, right? And just make it a step-by-step process. I, I don't try to force people to change things overnight, right? I like, I like for them to see, witness, and feel the process, so their enthusiasm for feeling good overshadows those old habits that they're trying to break. Oh, that's beautiful. I have a great answer. Great answer.
1: (laughs) And I know a lot. We've been talking about it in our our host chats, too, about the coffee. Um, I want to get to this question because um, I think this is an important one because many, many people I know uh, have gotten on the Prozac train. So one of our one of our viewers is asking about Prozac. It looks like she takes a low dose for severe OCD, and she's using mindfulness techniques to quiet her mind now. And she feels slightly better. But do you know something she could try instead of Prozac? She's been to countless doctors that just prescribed Zul. And you know, I watched both of my parents go on that train. You know, and a lot of family members they they got on the Prozac train for depression and. And then ended up still being depressed and having side effects so your what is your suggestion for somebody? I like how balanced you are with your approach, about the weaning and and being mindful about what we are switching to. so what would you suggest for somebody that has severe OCD to get off of prozac
2: Well, the first thing, and let me let me give a caution here so there's there's a couple of things that I, I want people to consider and and i've you know, this is not the first time with this question. And I wanna be conscious that I don't I don't know what I don't know. And I'm not there with them. And none of us can know, are there other issues associated with bipolar disorder, depression, uh, bad marriage? I mean, there's all these things that can be creating challenges for people. And I think probably during this pandemic and being shut inside, all that stuff gets worse, right? And you just read some horrific things about domestic abuse and otherwise. And so you don't know why perhaps a doctor took that step. It may be quite innocent what they've done and it may have been appropriate. So I don't want anybody that hears me to say, to think to themselves, they want to take this thing into their own hands and just stop, right? I I want them to make sure that they're consulting with their doctor. And if their doctor doesn't want to talk to them, then change doctors. But if you, don't, if you go to your doctor and say, I don't want to use this anymore, can you help me get off of it, and they're not really listening to you, then get another doctor. That's not who you need to be with. It's not thinking of you holistically about your health, because none of them should want you to permanently be on a prescription, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. When I look at this, I tell people to start with their lifestyle. You know, what, what is going on both socially and family-wise that could be contributing to these anxieties, right? You do a, you do a health... A health, a mental health check-in, right, with yourself, right, and you're, you're kind of looking at your environment. Do you hate going to work? Is that really at the root of this, right? Is, is it not, is it not work you enjoy? Do you walk? Do you exercise? Do you get out in nature? Do you get out in nature and breathe those natural essential oils that you get and you breathe when you're in a park or you're walking under the trees or whatever it happens to be, right? First, start with looking at mobility in your life, right? Am I Am I mobile? Am I outside of my house, right? And Not always possible, right? If you're in downtown New York and a high rise, and that's a challenge, but there are still parks there, right? And so you've got to look at the significance of what's happening here. You're taking a drug to alter your brain, right? Drink that in. You're taking a drug to alter your brain. So you, you took that step. Did you take that step lightly, casually, right? So look at lifestyle, look at your environment, water. Are you living on sodas all day? Is all the food you eat packaged food? Are there dyes and toxins found in the coloring of your food and the artificial sweeteners of your food? A lot of times people can find that their food consumption and all the artificial crap in their food is helping to short circuit their ability to relax, right? Are you getting enough sleep, right? Do you need to turn off the computer two hours before you normally do? I mean, there's a variety of things that can create this chaos mentally, and people will take these drugs, trying to look for answers when they're probably not the answer. They're just masking the problem. And so you've got to assess these things at this level and you've got to be honest with yourself. When I'm in situations like this and others, first thing I do is don't guess about this stuff. Take out a notepad and start writing down things about your lifestyle so that you can look on a piece of paper and examine things. Take, that, take those notes and go to your doctor right, and say, hey, I, you know, here here's what I'm realizing, right? Here's what I'm seeing, right? When, when this event happens, I got to reach for the whatever, the Prozac, whatever happens to be. When I watch TV all night, I realize I'm more wound up than I ever was before. I need to take something to go to sleep or whatever happens to be. But I believe if people can somehow look outside of this feeling they have to the external environment and what's causing that, they can begin to identify some factors that are kind of pointing them towards these easy solutions of the subscription. And that isn't for everybody. There are some people that really have some uh, mental challenges that they need professional help, right? All of this, I encourage people, if you've got a prescription, you've seen a doctor or you should have, and go to them and say, Hey, I want to, I want to try to walk away from this and start to consider your lifestyle. Right. And, and what role could that be playing? That,
1: that's such a great answer. I, um, I can just, I just want to follow up really quickly with my own personal, what happened with me. I did go to a doctor and everything is so right in alignment with what you're saying, Eddie. I so appreciate this. I suffered from depression many years ago. I think it was because I was learning what my mission was on earth and I wasn't, um, I wasn't doing it. So I, I, felt, I felt a lack within my own spirituality and the doctor wanted to put me on Prozac and I said to him, isn't there a first-line therapy I can try first that's not pharmaceutical? And he said, no, he told me, I don't even want to go into what he said. But what I started doing was looking at my tennis shoes as the Prozac pill. And every time I, I felt like, okay, every morning I would get up and put on tennis shoes and get, out and get sunlight, breathe in the air look at the tree, notice the trees. They, I felt like they started talking to me, eucalyptus trees and filling my lungs with that mm, yummy smell and oxygen. And, I'm t- and drinking more water, getting off of coffee, drinking more water and my whole life changed. It, it was miraculous. And I never did get on that drug ever. I, I rarely go to the doctor, but I do understand that when you are in that cycle there has to be a way that you could feel comfortable letting those things go. And it depends on going on in your life and finding the support you need and beautiful answer. Thank you so much. Neil, did you want to ask one of our other questions we have in the um, Q and A room?
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. First of all, I want to preface the first next question with the reason why I wanted Eddie to come on here. Uh, Cause you know, we're, we're going over a lot of topics this whole five days and it's really this is now the practical awareness and steps in order for you to be mm-hmm. able to implement what we're talking about, right? If you want to have the okay. higher vibrational life, the empowered life, there are many different ways that you can reach that. Um, some people maybe, you know, they could be feel empowered to have an enlightened life without being as healthy as some others. But a good permission step, a good fast track to that type of life mm-hmm. is your nutrition, is what you put in your body, is the way you believe and think about yourself, and for. Six to seven years now, I've been trying to put products on my website that are Ascension, like I wanna create an Ascension shop. So only around six months ago, I created an Ascension shop because it took me six to seven years to find anybody that I actually thought was good, not good enough, but in alignment with my, uh, in alignment with what we're doing to be able to fit in there. And Eddie and his products are the first out of six to seven years of actively looking and trying to actually have a store on our website these products were the first ones that I actually put on. Um, they gave me some free products in the beginning. I tried them out, loved them. Justin Champs has been working with them, so I had to go ahead and have him on here. And one of the products that um, I'm going uh, that I used was the Zeolite product. So this question here is: Are there certain vitamins and supplements we should take to detox from these chemicals? So if you could answer that one, and then also maybe talk about Zeolite and what that is.
2: Yeah, I will. So there's a couple things there. Um, And and let me just add one additional comment. So the way uh, to to our question there about sort of the mental issues. So when I look at these things, sort of where it's come down for me in life from a strategic standpoint is I think of, you know, basically toxicity as being sort of this number one priority. When you consider that in the world we live in, there's some 100,000 toxins being used, chemicals, let's call them, that's the legal name, chemicals being used in in the world today that really haven't been vetted in any type of reasonable trials, right? There's just a general assumption that it'll be fine for for consumers and they're embedded in consumer products from food to packaging to shoes to clothing, all these things that we are exposed to, but more importantly, the manufacturing of all these consumer goods means that these chemicals are also in the air, in the water so- supply, in the soil. You go back for a moment and look at Teflon, for example, most of this audience, very educated. I know they're going to understand the concerns about PFOS and, and other challenges when you think of like C8, which is a, a component of Teflon that makes it sort of non-sticky. You know, that research started in the 1940s with DuPont. I won't go through the whole story. Most of you probably understand this, but literally every woman and child in the world that we could test would find some level of C8, that primary chemical in their body, right? So these things get everywhere. So I believe just as you have concerns about the nutrition you're putting in your body and trying to get good rest and manage stress and exercise, you need to have a detox strategy. and so. For, for me, there are several things that are what I call low-hanging fruit. You know, try to have, on a daily basis, a reasonable source of clean water. Now, not to be controversial with the uh, parts of the community that, that that think of water as having to be uh, completely boiled down or, or empty of anything at all. I believe spring water, in most communities, you can find good, reasonable spring water, and that can be tr- tremendous because The native uh, trace minerals and other things found in good clean spring water are good for the body. They nourish the body and they help your cells to detox. Quite literally, they help your cells express things that aren't supposed to be in there. It's not a, a cleansing type situation, but all of these things have a cumulative impact. And so if you find yourself, you know, you gotta have a soda every day, all right? Don't make it more than one and mix water in there as well, because all those things will help flush the kidneys and do other things, right? So water is an important factor. Uh, The air you breathe. If you find yourself in a home with pretty tight ventilation, right, there's not a lot of air moving from the outside to the inside, invest in an air cleaning product of some kind. Right? I don't sell those, and so I'm not trying to advocate for anything in particular, but you can go and find air filtration units for your home um, online pretty easily. Read the reviews, do some little homework, but cleaning the air you breathe on a daily basis is really important. And I'll give you a prime example. If you happen to live in a home with a heating and air conditioning system and there's a vent structure in your house, you know, look at what happens if you don't change the filter say every 90 days, right? Let's say you forget it for six months and you go and check it, right? It's nasty, it's dirty. Well remember, that's filtering the air sucking out of your living space to go through the air handler, right? So you're breathing all the stuff on the wrong side of that filter, right? That's what your lungs are dealing with and there's a cumulative impact over time and unfortunately, like you can throw that filter out, you can't take your lungs out and throw them away, right? You know, we don't have those uh, luxuries, right? So quality of water, Quality of air, those are important. Food, food supply. We talked about it earlier. The more you can do to eat foods that are organically grown, not conventional, not GMO, and, and not packaged, right? Things you actually have to prepare. If you buy food that will spoil, if it sits on the kitchen counter after a couple of days, that's good food, right? If you buy food that if you it on the kitchen counter for a couple of weeks and nothing happens, that's not good food right? That's not good food. That's, that's got preservatives in it that you don't want, right? So you want food that will perish over time. That kind of food is clean. So you're not necessarily introducing uh, the chemicals and the toxins into your body, in the food that you are eating. Um, and I realize there's probably some keto fans um, uh, that are listening to us. I'll be candid. I'm not a fan of keto. I do realize you can fool your body into shedding some fat, but you cannot walk away from the fact that your body needs micronutrients your cells need micronutrients your body the long haul here and that's what we're going to do this thing based upon is the long game you need the micronutrients that are found in fresh fruits and vegetables now if keto for you means not eating ultra processed uh carbohydrates okay i'm on board right i'm on board with that 100 percent but if it means for you only proteins and not uh, fruits and vegetables, then I'm I'm not a fan of that because there's micronutrients there that not only provide nutrient for cell replication, production, and repair, but it also aids the body just like good, clean, mineral-rich water in expressing out-of-the-cell toxins, and the fiber found in fresh fruits and vegetables will help to clean your bowel and keep things moving, right? You want to look for a transit time of 24 to 30 hours at the most. If you eat something not to be you know, often to an indelicate area here, but if you're eating things and your, your transit time in your bowel system is 48 plus hours, that's not a good idea, right? Your vulnerability to colorectal cancer, uh, gut cancer, esophagus cancer, all these things skyrocket with those types of transit times. And so the fiber in food also helps you with the cleansing and the detox process. And then I also believe you can do other things from a supplement standpoint. I have worked with a mineral called a zeolite. Uh, since 2005, and I'll tell you right up front, it's, it's um, one of those things that I, I think it's about as close to one of these uh, mineral miracles as we're, we're ever going to find. I mean, I've been all over the world, I just haven't seen things performed this way. Naturally mined zeolites, which are crystals with a cage-like structure. Clenoptilite sort of the technical name. I'm not talking about the synthetic ones. I'm talking about the natural ones, not grown in a lab but found in nature. Um, they have a negative charge to their cage and most of the heavy metals, uh, things like cadmium, mercury, lead that we obviously don't want in our systems have a positive charge. And under the right circumstances, if, if the zeolite's prepared properly, it actually just, just like a magnet, right, it's uh, kind of floating through your body, it works off proximity, gets near cadmium, lead, mercury, something with a positive charge and, and it will snap to it like a magnet does, like the north end and the south end of a magnet. And since your body has no receptor sites for zeolites, assuming normal bowel uh, renal function, it processes out of your body in about a three to four hour period of time. For me, what I've learned is it's an important part of sort of my daily habits, right? It's one of those daily things that I do is I use a zeolite and then I'm also really committed to the deep uh, green leafy vegetables. I'm not always able to eat them. I travel quite a bit, so I will use an organic greens powder. We happen to sell one, but if you've got a good one that's organic that you believe in, use it. But there's no question that greens and all the properties of greens from chlorophyll right on down uh, can play a very uh, important role at helping you cleanse and detox your body, combining it with the water, with movement, right? If you're moving, if you're exercising, even at a very modest level, that movement, that perspiration, the raising of your heart rate, all of those things will encourage your body's function, right? And your body has really remarkable abilities to detoxify itself. But if you're a couch potato and you're eating ultra processed food all the time and you're drinking sodas and all these things that you don't need me to lecture you on, you already know, then you're just not giving yourself a chance, right? And anybody listening, you can go find good clean water. You can get outside and try to clean some, breathe some clean air. If you can't afford a filter for your home, uh, try to save the money to buy one, right? And you can find zeolites. We have an entry-level zeolite that's just um, on a a subscription, it's $30, and on a non-subscription, it's $40, right? And so I'm not dismissing that amount of money, but for a dollar a day to aid your body to detox, that's pretty cost-effective. We have a nano product that's much more uh, effective at that level, but it's a little more expensive, about twice as much money. And so you gotta do what makes sense for you and your budget, but I believe deeply in the series of things that you can do to aid your body detox. Of course, when you're taking the bad stuff out, put the good stuff in. And the final thing, and I I should have probably mentioned this, Michelle, when you were talking about managing uh, depression or other types of issues is CBD oil. Uh, I'm a Mm -hmm. massive fan of CBD oil. For those that don't know much about it, educate yourself. Uh, Cannabidiol, which is what CBD means, is a natural cannabinoid found in hemp. If you're getting a good organic source of hemp uh, properly labeled and all these kinds of things, it can help to bring some balance to your central nervous system, to your gut, to your immune system. Um, we We have an endocannabinoid system that strives for balance. And of course, the modern lifestyle is not very complimentary to trying to find that balance. And so if you're introducing on a daily basis, a good CBD product, that also uh, can can help your body because as it's looking for balance, it looks to shed chemicals and things that it doesn't want in there, right? And so it can help to activate the body's own ability to uh, to detox.
1: You have been a wealth of knowledge. There there are some other questions, and we're gonna have to refer people to you to your website. How can people find you?
2: Well. Neil has several links on his site and he can post those. I don't know where all things are being posted here, uh, but he can post those. Uh, well, there, he's got it right there. So you can go to his uh, portalofascension.org shop page. Um, and then, and, and basically when you go there, you open that link, it'll take you to our shop page. And if you've got questions, uh, there's a chat box on our website. And if it's, it's something that our support team can't answer and you think I particularly need to answer it, you just say, hey, I heard Eddie on this show. Uh, can you get him this question and leave an email address and I I'm I'm probably not responding in 24 hours but I'm usually inside of 72 hours and uh, we'll do everything we can to support your your good genuine health efforts.
3: down and she twirled around swirling unfurling centuries worth of programming telling her who she was and who she should be she knew she was more she was the key she wasn't just a human she's a spirit in a body they call her OG Watts she's not a blueprint copy that's why she's questioning the human origin story now she's learning about ET's cosmic degrees and how she's a deity I'm more than the blood flowing through these veins I'm thinking about where I came from, am I insane? Who am I? The whole motherfucking sky, let's fly! Who 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 am I? Am I an Anunnaki? Who am I? Am I the lock and the key? Who am I? Am I an Anunnaki? Who am I? Am I the lock and the key? To this whole cosmic history, and I need some help as I ascend to 5D. Calling my spirits, loved ones, and guides. Help! Help. The mood shifts. Hop on the spaceship. Enter the gift. MC Resonance, the man, the myth, the benevolent. Can you help EE Watts out? Who the bleep are the Anunnaki?
0: I got a thought about those who came to earth Gave humanity birth in a celestial craft Flying like birds They are here now From another place in time altered space and time Travel to this world to find Resources to save God kind Higher dimensional beings imitating the divine Radiant shine Golden deceptions and lies Repeated mutations, attempts and tries Spiral helix unraveled Generations have cried Countless humanoids have died Experimentation of mankind Dismissed and forbidden knowledge denied Genetically created with fire In a test tube for those dement- Higher Can incarnate, eat, live, and perspire Indentured servants programmed and wired To serve those that came from the sun To mine our minds and minerals in the name of the one We were all victims to the illusion The overlords are here The watchers through generations have persevered To take control of time The elitist bloodline rules by fear Now you know the truth It's time to listen and hear The frequency of earth From which life gave you birth From which life gave you birth From which life gave
3: you birth who am I, am I an Anunnaki? Who am I, am I the lock and the key? Who am I, am I an Anunnaki? Who am I, am I the lock and the key? So suddenly, EE e. Watts questions everything. What's the system I've been resistin'? The lie they've been feeding us to get us off the bus we've been on a Now it's time to rise up up. Find peace, no riot I'm wise and I no longer stay quiet I'm drifting in the flow in the age of Aquarius Now is the shifting time, let's get serious Or they inject us with what makes us delirious. delirious
0: mysterious That makes us think we're invincible It's the celestial inebriation that allows us to free flow If you think with this mindset You can no longer exist and do the routine Of stone the free Vatican Materialistic Masonic forces sons of god to incarnate and build an army To fight against heaven When the interdimensional beings are at our doorstep The planet will cross between Mars and Earth The scars and dirt from the cosmic battle Will make way for the new dawn of days Where the ether level will be raised From our central sun, the black one, the black sun Dubbed by the Mayans, scattering solar cosmic dust Particles that must touch the magnetic poles and volcanoes will erupt. The terrain will shake as we enter the continuum rift. The poles will shift and a hundred percent of life will drift into the realm of the next zodiac gift wrapped from the ones who came from heaven to earth and created humanity from out of the dirt.
3: am I?